Hello, and thank you for letting us join you today. Um, we are excited to start our experience wherever you are at, at whatever time, but we're excited to be here. Yes, I'll be bringing the teaching for us today. And I am Pastor KJ, and I'm here in the chat, so if there are any questions that you have, uh, the desire to connect to someone, I am here. So please, please, please uh, just send me a text. Yes, and we have all kinds of things going on. Uh, you can check out your newsletter that's in the link. Um, also, we have people that would love to pray for you. So you can text this number um, and we have prayer available. Also, we are available for you. So you can uh, email KJ and I at any time. We'd love to answer questions or just get to know you for sure. I'm gonna say a prayer for our service and for our time together, so please join me in prayer. God, we thank you for the things you're doing in all the billions of places you are. Thank you for coming into our space. Please speak to us, guide us, challenge us, inspire us. Thank you for seeing us today, now. Our hearts are expectant for you to show up. Jesus, we thank you that you are here in this space. In Christ, I pray. Amen. All right. So, have a story for you guys. When I was in middle school, we had this big sports, uh, all sports competition. It was a school-wide thing that happened for a whole month where all the classes played against each other and it was a competition that happened for a whole month. It was kind of an Olympic Games school version and we look forward to it. It happened once a year and every year we were so excited for that time and I wanted to fight for my class. You know, there was that uh, pride vibe to, to work on your, on your class's team. But there was a problem. I was very bad at sports. Like, I was horrible. I was never really good <laughs> at sports. But this was a required event. So we all had to participate. Therefore, I was in. I was actually in a sports team for the first time. It was like a miracle. I made it, yay, and we designed our own jerseys, and I was so proud to wear a sports jersey for the first time. But somehow, every game that I went to, I ended up sitting on the bench. <laughs> it seems like my team leader knew better than to bring me on the field because I could possibly cause a world disaster with a ball in my hand. So I was part of the team. I was going to every game, but I never really got to play. So part of me, I actually really wanted to participate. I wanted to be there and enjoy the excitement, the whole experience, of course, that would be amazing. But if I'm gonna be honest with you, I was actually in a very sweet spot because I was coming, I was doing what was expected of me to do, I was part of the team, but I was getting all my PE credits by not shed, shed, shedding a drop of sweat. I wasn't doing anything and getting all the credits, so it was a pretty good deal. You know, I wasn't getting into trouble by not playing. Everything was good. So all in all, 
at the end of the day, I was part of that team, but I wasn't really playing. I was more like a spectator than an actual player. The passage that we're going to be looking at today reminds me of this story and this experience of being a benched team player or an actual team player, an active team player. Because when it comes to our Christian life, where do you find yourself today? Do you find yourself on the field, like really playing and enjoying the fullness of what it means to be part of that team? Or for some reason, you find yourself more often than not sitting on the bench. You're still part of the team. You're not against the team, but you're not really living this fullness of what it means to, to participate. And you're more like a spectator than a player. And are we living the fullness of the experience and going all in in our journey with Jesus or just kind of doing the minimum necessary? So let's read what Paul writes here in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. That's our passage today. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So what is Paul inviting the Philippians to do here? He's saying, work out, work out your salvation. But is Paul implying that they have to work for their salvation? Is that what he's saying here? Well, first of all, keep in mind that Paul's writing to a group of believers. So he's not trying to teach anybody how to get saved. They were already saved. So that is not what Paul is doing here. Also notice that he says, work out your salvation. He doesn't say work for your salvation. So the only person that worked for your salvation was Jesus. He did his work on the cross and we just receive that free gift by faith. So working out our salvation is not much accomplishing it, but seeing it evident, evident in every area of your life. It's activating the salvation that God freely gave you. It's taking this gift and experiencing the fullness of what Jesus is giving you and inviting you into. So thinking of my sports Olympic games, it, when you're saved, it's like Jesus saying, here's the jersey, you're in, you're part of the team. You never earned it, you never earned, I never earned my jersey, absolutely not. And yet I was given one. You're welcome to the team, you're in. And even if you sit on the bench the entire time, you're still part of the team. That doesn't move you to the opposite team. You're just as much part of the team as the guy scoring all the points. However, Jesus' invitation is 
Now come onto the field. Now let's come and actually play. I want to do so much with you. There's so much more to experience in being part of this team and part of this family. So much more than just sitting on the bench and watching from distance. There's a fullness to be experienced. It blows my mind that that's what actually Jesus is actually doing to us. Because he didn't die just to take us to heaven and just to give us the jersey, like, all right, you're in, the end. There's so much more that he invites us into to be an active participant with him and his team that he freely invited you into. I love what Paul says in another letter that he wrote to the Colossians, uh, he lays out this idea in such a helpful way. So let's read that in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. He says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him then your faith will grow strong in this truth, in the truth that you were taught. See, we're invited to let our roots grow deep in Jesus, to continue to follow him. It's not following Jesus. It's not a decision you made uh, however many years back, and it lives in your past as a memory. It's a continual thing, and it's so exciting and inspiring to me because it, our faith is not static. It's dynamic, and it's something that Jesus is doing each day of our lives. And as we grow our roots into him and build our lives in him, there is a dynamic that is so much greater than just being a spectator. Jesus invites us to the field with him. Let's go back to Philippians 2. The passage says, um, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. I want to be honest with you. When I think about this whole thing of working out my salvation and, and now here, obeying, obeying much more. I get it, but it takes my mind to this place of to-do list. Here's what I need to do, and here's my obligation. It's this heavy-duty thing. And I know I always got it, thinking back in my journey with Jesus, I always got it that I didn't have to, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't saved by my works, but I had this pressure because I knew I was saved for good works. But see, this is a beautiful invitation from God for us to experience a thriving relationship with Him. And something that was supposed to be beautiful and exciting, I attached a burden to it. And suddenly it was heavy and dry and difficult. It was a burden that I put in it that was never intended to be there. You know that phrase that uh, you might have heard this, that God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin? That phrase did something to my mind growing up because it made me think that God 
loves the sinner. He loves everyone, right? Jesus so loved the world. But he hates the sin, which means he doesn't really like the, the things I do because most things I do are influenced by my sinful nature. And, you know, I sin all the time. So it was this messy thing of God loves me, but kind of it's this general, yeah, he loves everybody, but he doesn't really like the things that I do. And that put me into this trap of performance because I wanted him to like the things that I was doing and I wanted to do better. But, you know, God's bar is so high, I could never get there. So uh, as a consequence, I was feeling this shame all the time for the things that I was doing and my outcomes. And it's this cycle of performance and shame that was never what God intended to invite us into. This phrase, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more, much more in my absence, that intrigues me. When I first read that, that inspired me because what I see here is a group of people who were willingly and freely obeying. There's such a fresh vibe to it. They weren't trying to score points with Paul. They were, Paul wasn't even there. They weren't trying to impress anybody. They weren't trying to perform. This is what they were doing in secret. This is what they were doing when nobody was watching. So my youngest son... Jonah, he's five now, and he's my kid that we have to negotiate every bite of his dinner, okay? So every meal, it's like, all right, Jonah, four more bites, okay, three more bites, and you have to encourage and watch over bite after bite. Well, two weeks ago, he started kindergarten, which means he's eating lunch all by himself in school. <laughs> Do I even need to finish the story? The first day of school, he comes back and I open his lunchbox. His entire food was there. He had like two little bites on the corner. There wasn't any parent watching over every bite he was taking. He was free to do whatever he wanted. And it's like, yes, I can finally do whatever I want. But see, the Philippians here, Paul took care of them, poured over them, taught them. And then Paul left and said, all right, you're on your own. And what did they do with that freedom? They kept living a life of obedience. They weren't doing that because of an external pressure or an external motivation or a burden. Something was different in their heart. And maybe you're hearing all of this and you don't really relate at all because you're like, well, you're making such a big deal out of obedience. You know, God is a God of grace. He accepts me the way that I am. You know, he loves us regardless of our records. And maybe you're sitting on the bench and you're good there. It's like, I'm, I'm in the team. I'm fine. Why should I go through the trouble of exercising and getting all sweaty if I'm good here on the bench? That's a legit question. Why should I obey? 
I think there's so much more to it. I believe the Philippians are showing us that there's a third place to be, not just this place of obedience with a burden or this place of no obedience at all. I believe there is a place here in the middle, and I believe there's a key that we might be missing when it comes to living this life of obedience and living out our salvation in Jesus. A couple months ago, I was reading a book from Pastor Tim Keller, and he talked about the joy of obedience. When I read that phrase, it jumped out to my eyes because I've, I've been chewing on that ever since because it's so profound to think of joy of obedience. Those two words, joy and obedience, are not often two words that we put together. Do you pair together joy and obedience? They don't seem to be two that goes off. But he explains, you know, while there, is, there are these two camps that we gravitate to, the obedience with a, out, of a, out of a burden or no o- obedience at all, he says, one, while one camp is assuming this burden warily, the other one is refusing it altogether and casting it off. And while they seem to be opposites, they actually come out of the same root problem. Both of these mindsets equally share the same incomprehension of the joy found in obedience. Those were his words. This fascinates me, the incomprehension of the joy found in obedience. Obeying God is a loving response to the salvation we got from him. It's a way to know Jesus more, to resemble him, to love him, to delight in him. And see, he says, uh, he goes on to say that the cure for either of these positionings is a new vision of the beauty of God and his glorious and costly grace. Understanding and tasting our union with Jesus himself leads us to a new love and a new desire to obey him and to follow him fully. Tasting our union with him renews our desire to follow him fully. That is the joy of obedience. There is joy in obedience. I want to leave you with three action points. I think the heart of this passage really is to inspire us to go all in, to live out our salvation fully, not as a spectator. And there are three quick practical things that I want to tell you here for you to keep in mind. The first one is don't follow formulas. Follow Jesus. In this passage, Paul says, continue to work out your salvation. You work on your salvation. I work on my salvation. This means it's our personal journey with Jesus. I don't want you to go looking around to see what those people are doing. Okay, so I probably should do that. I shouldn't do that and taking notes. It's not a one-size-fits-all system here. Your salvation and your personal relationship with Jesus is different than mine. Where he's 
taking you from, where he's taking you to, whatever he's doing in your heart, the things he's working on, and you know, even how we connect with him. I've been talking to friends lately these past few weeks, and the way we talk to Jesus is different. The way we feel his presence is different. Our relationship, it's, it's no wonder we call it, it's a personal relationship with Jesus. And you know, something that discourages me personally, I'll tell you a secret, it's when people say, I wake up at four in the morning and I, sorry, I don't mean to tease this, this person. I wake up at four in the morning and I pray for an hour and I read the Bible for an hour, blah, blah, blah. What do I immediately feel? Horrible. Because I'm not a morning person and I feel like I'm a terrible Christian because I'm not making the point to get up early and spend an hour in prayer and spend an hour in the Bible. Now, of course, if you do that, that's amazing. I'm not talking about the practice. I'm talking about our desire to follow formulas. This is how you should do. When Jesus called the disciples, he didn't tell them, all right, this, this is the system. Do exactly this way. This is what the Christian journey should look like. No. All he said was, follow me. It's not about how to do it. It's about who you're following. Are you following a program or your friends or good leaders or family members? No, you follow Jesus. Don't look for formulas. Look for Jesus. Follow Jesus. Jesus is telling you today, follow me. Come be with me. Come eat with me. Let's go around together. Come to the field with me. Watch what I do. Hear what I say. Do what I'm doing. Let's do this together. Let's hang out. Come spend some time with me. Follow my steps where I'm taking you today. Follow where Jesus is taking you today in your personal journey and in, in experience of him. The second action point is let the greatness of God inspire you. So back in the passage, Paul says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I know that fear and trembling is a whole other sermon that we can be here, but I, I will tell you this. Paul is not telling the Philippians to be terrified of God because that denies everything that he ever taught them about your confidence in Jesus. This is not about having anxiety to come to God's presence. The fear of the Lord is this deep, this awe-filled respect and reverence to about who God is. And when we understand the greatness of our God, it inspires you to follow him and, and to follow less of you. Because see, when I think about this, I, I'm convicted that the me, the self, is usually inflated, right? I want to follow me, my thoughts, my preferences. And when we turn our eyes to see the greatness of the one who saved us, that deflates our tendency to be 
self-sufficient and this autonomy and this independence that we usually try to live on. We want to sit in this place where we remember our God, that he is God and I am not. He is God and I am not. So I will submit my heart to him. The third and final point here is don't try this on your own. <laughs> it's like those commercials. The commercials don't, don't try to do this on your home. You know, don't, don't do this on your own. This was never intended for you to try alone. Paul ends this verse by saying, for, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God who works in you to will and to act. He is working in you. He starts the work and he finishes the work. And it's beautiful to me because if you're struggling in this camp of striving, it is he who empowers your actions. And if you're over here struggling with kind of a lack of motivation, he works in your will. He works in your desires and he works in your will. Um, I always struggled with being a big talker. <laughs> if you're my friend, you know this. And I've been so aware of this my whole life and I try to control my impulses and not over talk. But as I continue to pursue Jesus in this area, I noticed that he didn't just give me a mechanical ability to be quiet. As I kept uh, pursuing Jesus, I saw him changing my heart and giving me an, an increased interest in people's stories. So instead of me trying to mechanically be quiet, suddenly I'm growing in my love to actually care for others. And as he was shifting my desire, it wasn't just about a, a, a behavior change, but it was a heart change that also impacted my actions. God works to will and to act. And this is very hopeful to me to know that the Holy Spirit is the one energizing us and moving us. This is actually what this word says, that God works in you. It says he energizes you. He moves you. It is through his power, his power in you. It's not you trying to do this on your own. So remember, don't follow Jesus. I'm sorry, don't follow formulas. Yes, follow Jesus. <laughs> remember the greatness of our God. And don't try to do any of this on your own. It is through his spirit in you, working in you to will and to act. It is not a complete experience to watch from the bench. Let's, let's not stay on the bench today. Jesus invites you onto the field. Let's live out the fullness of what he intends for you to be part of this team with him. Don't watch him from distance. Go play with him. Don't just hear about him. 
Go talk with him. Jesus invites you in because he wants to do great things with you as you play with him, as you learn from him, as you live with him and activate the fullness of his salvation in your life. Let's take a moment and pray now. Holy Spirit, I believe that each of us has something that uh, you'd like to highlight today. So if you're watching this, and maybe you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus at all, he's saying, here's your jersey, undeserved. Come be a part of the team with me. Come to me. And you can just open your heart and tell him that today. But maybe for you, the rest of you who have given your heart to Jesus, maybe you're experiencing today a lack of motivation, maybe, to follow him fully. Maybe a lack of motivation to obey him. Maybe you haven't experienced this joy of obeying the Lord and following Him. Maybe you've been carrying a burden that was never intended for you to carry. Jesus, we want to lay all of this down to you. We want to experience the fullness of life in you. Holy Spirit, we want to see the work of your salvation evident in every area of our life. Give us a passion to follow you each day. In Jesus' name.